Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 23. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our pasts. Each time we do an episode, one of us gets to choose something to uh, for enforced viewing mm-hmm. upon the other person. Yes. With And also there's the shut up aspect to it, apparently, yeah. where you can't say anything. So something like the Kubrick film with the eyes and... There's no, no lid locks are used for um, <laughs> the recording of this podcast. Clockwork Orange, that's what Yes, that's what for. I was yeah. going for. Okay. Yes. Couldn't remember it. The name. Audience, <laughs> we've both seen this film, so you don't have to worry about a future Clockwork Orange episode. <laughs> um, and I can't think of anything that's as different from uh, what, what we're covering this week, actually. That's it's true. probably the opposite of a Clockwork Orange. Yes. And what did you choose this week that's the opposite of a Clockwork Orange? I chose... Uh, Anne of Green Gables, the 1985 original, most perfect version, no other versions needed. Not Anne with an E? No. The mu- much no. talked about uh, Netflix? You uh, mean like the? it's essentially like the Batman Begins of Anne of Green Gables? That is what Anne of an E is. <laughs> Let's make it gritty. <laughs> For fans of Game of Thrones? No. It's, that maybe it's not quite that bad. <laughs> That would be a weird show. No, it's 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 like Batman Begins. It's, it's like thick. instead of um, St. Edward's Island, it's on Westeros. Yeah, or, instead of, you know, bright, shiny, pretty things, we've got, um, you know, darkness and mines and, and you know. Tragedy. Childbirth, like, shown on screen and stuff like that. It's, yeah, no one needs okay, that. Okay, let's talk about that later. <laughs> okay. We, we can come around the block. So, why... <laughs> Did you choose the 1985 version of Anne of Green Gables? Anne of Green Gables. Which was a TV miniseries. Yes. Two parts. Uh, So I probably, I would guess, did not see this when it came out in 1985 because I would have been like three. Um, But this movie, maybe more than, I mean, and watching it again, maybe more than like probably any film is like such a foundational part of who I am as a person, as it formed so much of me. And I, I like going back to watch it. I, there's like, it's weird. It's like, I almost feel like there's certain decisions I made in my life unconsciously that are, you know, related to me growing up and watching this film. Like, I feel like this, which I watched over and over and over again. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, if you didn't. You <laughs> I said did. You had a, an old VHS tape that you we watched had like the, constantly. Yeah, well, it's it was a, it's a long movie, so it was on two VHS. <laughs> I want to let you know it's longer than Fanny and Alexander. <laughs> it is. So it, I, I had to look that up. It comes yeah. in at ten minutes longer than uh, Fanny and Alexander. And a little bit. The tone is a little different. There's not so much. I mean, it's a little bit similar things happen in a way. I don't know. I th- I think uh, you know Marilla is sort of like the uh, the. The, the minister, an, the yeah. bishop. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, not really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I watched this movie over and over, and the other movie that I watched over and over and over, which we've both seen, so we won't talk about it, was Gone with the Wind. So I feel like if if you know me, that I'm a little bit of a combination between Scarlett O'Hara and uh, Anne Anne of Green Gables. These are like foundational people in <laughs> in my world, I guess. You know. Um, <laughs> Is it would it be like you would love it if somebody met you and that's what they came? Yeah, with. yeah, She's like sort of like, like Scarlett O'Hara, Scarlett O'Hara meets, and and, uh, Anne of Green Gables in one in one thing. Um. <laughs> so I have to ask though, did you have any 
relate. So your relationship to this is through the movie, the TV, the and not necessarily the book. Did you go back and read the books? I went point? back and read the books after. So there are two two movies that he made in the eighties. Kevin Sullivan, who's the um, adapter slash director, yeah, of director and screenwriter. Um, and um, one of them is Anne of Green Gables, and then the other one is Anne of Avonlea. And I want to say that we, and apparently it wasn't called Anne of Avonlea in Canada. It was called Anne of Green Gables, the sequel, which is not as catchy. Oh, I saw that listed. Yeah. yeah. But I went back and I did read the books afterwards, and I've read all the Anne books from Anne of Green Gables to um, Anne of Anne's House of Dreams, but there's one more after Anne's House of Dreams, and then it switches to where the stories are all about her children. Let me tell you, I have the box set well, we of can all go of the look. books in my daughter Sky's <laughs> room right down the hall. Well, and actually, it was Sky and you reading it and recounting how much she's enjoying the little, you know, scrapes that Anne mm-hmm. gets into that made me want to go back and watch this. So before we get any further, can we do like a, a couple of line synopsis for people who don't know anything about this? Uh, so, uh, Anne is an orphan and, uh, she's staying with a really horrible family who just wants her to take care of their children. Um, and always when I watch the scene, I always, well, not, not when I was younger cause I didn't know these things, but I always think, you know, thank God we have access to birth control. So you don't have to get orphans to help you take care of your children. Yeah. The woman <laughs> she's working for has three sets of twins. I yeah. Think, yeah. So. She has like something like eight kids or something like that. So so, um, so she's, and then the husband dies. Um, so the, the woman and her children go off to live with her sister. So Anne goes back to the orphanage that she came from. And then through a set of circumstances, she ends up, uh, um, on Prince Edward Island because they think somebody sent for a girl. Um, we find out that Marilla and uh, Matthew actually sent for a boy to help Matthew out at the farm. An old bachelor yeah. and his old, <laughs> old maid old sister, maid whatever sister, you want to yeah. say, live together, help getting on in years, and they want a, uh, an orphan boy. They want to go get themselves an orphan boy to, to help him around the house. Because apparently this, is some, this didn't bother me when I was a kid, but now I'm like, you can just get orphans to help you do stuff. Yeah, apparently. So they get Anne. This is not a good system. They get Anne, they get a girl instead. <laughs> It's yeah. a total mistake. Yeah. She's on a trial basis. They're going to bring her back. All of that. Yeah. And they try to take her back, but um, the orphanage won't take her. There's another potential family who is the same sort of circumstances she was in with before. And so Mirola can't bring herself to leave her with this terrible woman with more twins. Um, so they fall in love with Anne and, it, and she grows up on this beautiful Prince Edward Island, you know, and the, the film that we, the the version that we see takes place in about four years of her life, mm-hmm. something I like that. I think so, from thirteen to seventeen, I believe. Okay, so now we have to talk about who is this Anne that they end up with, <laughs> and why is she such a, an unusual match for Matthew and Marilla? Yeah, so she's she is chatty and creative and. Um, see Ashley chatty and creative. <laughs> yeah, Ch- okay, yeah. Um, and, um, very romantic and uh, taken everything she's taken in by everything that she sees and she imagines all sorts of things. And Marilla and Matthew have lived a very, um, you know, they, they work on a farm. They live a very like fact-based life. You know, the chickens need to be fed. I need to make, you know, the bread, 
you know. And what did they do? They got themselves <laughs> a girl with her head in the clouds, with the, her nose in a book. Mm-hmm. Who um, Does she like hyperbole? Yes, she does, a little bit. <laughs> Everything that happens to her is the like, most tragical thing or the most beautiful, amazing thing Well, ever. I love when, when Matthew has picked her up from the train station and he's like, clearly he does not know what to do. Because it's a, it's not, a, it's not a boy. It's a girl. He doesn't like talking, <laughs> and he doesn't like conflict. And she's talking the whole time. She won't like let him get in the words that he wasn't supposed to pick up a girl. So he's going to take her home and let Marilla <laughs> tell her that. And like the whole time, he's like, you know, telling her about where they're going, and he's like, oh, that's you know, Barry's Pond or whatever. And she's like, oh no, that's the Lake of the Shining Waters, mm-hmm. you know. Or, this place. <laughs> or or they go under um, like a it's like a, an orchard where there's apple blossoms mm-hmm. or something like that. And they're riding through that. And he go and she's like, what is this magical place? What is it called? And he's like, the avenue. That's what it's called. And she's like, no, no, it's the white way of delight is the mm-hmm. is what she says. That's yeah. right. So. So everything to her is out of a book. Everything is romantic. Everything is imagination and creativity. She's just always pretending something, and she gets into scrape after scrape. That's what mm. you mentioned, that my daughter and I love reading all these episodes. Yeah. What is the next weird thing that happens to Anne? What does she get herself into? Because she's not paying attention. Because she you know, has a misunderstanding. Oh, she lets her emotions get the best of her, yeah. too. Is the, that happens a lot. So we follow her over the course of years as she goes to the, as they decide to keep her on. Mm -hmm. She kind of literally prattles and talks her way into their hearts. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And these are two who do do not wear their hearts on their sleeves Mm -hmm. at all. Marilla's a hard nut to crack. Yeah. But um, the way that Colleen Dewhurst plays her. She's amazing. Yeah. Gives her so much more nuance even than in the book I'm reading Mm -hmm. with Skye. I mean, she, she's, she's, um stern and mm. all business and hard as nails has no imagination yeah. whatsoever everything is where you need to be say your prayers set the table we'll have you know stop talking we'll yeah. have none of this nonsense <laughs> and um and yet and um you very early on calling Dewhurst will turn and you know be a smile there will be a smile yeah all of a sudden you know when when no one else is around you know when you think that Anne's just driving her up the wall. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, sort of the, the, the first evidence of that is her very first interaction with anyone from Avonlea other than Marilla and Matthew is uh, Marilla's best friend and the town gossip, Rachel Lynn, comes yeah. over. And uh, Marilla gets some good eye rolling in whenever she yeah. visits, too. <laughs> I don't know if she, you appreciated that. Well, as much you know, as I and do. I love that relationship they have because they've clearly been friends for like their whole lives, essentially. But they drive each other they, up yeah, the wall. Yeah, essentially. As close friends do. <laughs> um, but, you know, Rachel says some pretty harsh things about Anne to her face, you know. And um, you do not talk about <laughs> Anne's red hair. No, no, you do not. Never call her carrots. That's right. She'll never forgive you. <laughs> So she puts that old bitty down. Yeah, like, she does. And then, slays her with a couple strikes yeah. in the tongue. <laughs> so yeah, Marilla makes her go apologize. And that whole that whole interaction, you get a you get a better understanding of Anne's personality and her temper, and then Marilla's personality, and then Rachel Lynn, who's amazing too. That I'd 
to me, there can be no other version just because how well these actors are cast. They're mm-hmm. so perfectly suited for the role and looks like Anne should look. And and what about, um, how do you like this Matthew played he's, by Richard he, I love I love him. And like, I went back and looked at his, his history and he's been in like, he was like in every like B Western isn't For, he in the straight story with, yeah, with David Lynch film? Yeah. That's the guy who writes the uh Yeah, he, well he was motive. in a lot of a lot of Western I mean, I think yeah. he was in Blazing Saddles, but he's oh, just yeah. like one no, of those Western actors forever. been yeah. been in all those those sorts of things. Um I think he's so good at playing, you know, you know, a sensitive man so who, who I'm keeps gonna to tear himself. Up right yeah. now because that that he's it's so amazing. Yeah. The the um the really tender friendship how how immediately he's taken with Anne. You can tell from day one in the, when she's prattling on in the cart on the way over and that evening, he doesn't want to give her back. And, um, actually in the scene you were, the bit you were just talking about, about how Anne is forced to go and apologize to Mrs. Mm -hmm. Lynn for like calling her an ugly old whatever. (laughs) Um, it's Matthew who goes up to her room and there's a really beautiful scene where he goes up and said, couldn't you just be kind of sorry? Yeah kind of maybe smooth things over i don't want you to have to go to that horrible woman again you know to with, with the twins yeah you know <laughs> no well, that's he, his way of saying like we i want you to stay i need mm-hmm. you to go fix this so that we get to have you in our lives yeah well and it's interesting because <clears throat> merlo makes it pretty clear throughout the whole you know, movie that she's the one who like calls the shots. But when Matthew actually speaks up and wants something, she always, she always listens because he doesn't ever, you know, you get the idea that he doesn't ever speak up and, and, and say things. He just goes with the flow. And so when he does something, it comes from such a place of like, you know, how much it means, how important it is to him, a place of significance. Later on, he's the one who goes to town to buy an address for the ball. Yeah, <laughs> that with scene is so sleeves. good with puffy sleeves. Can you? So that that actor that it's interesting. The actress in the store who I also love. I, I could go on and on about all the you casting. know all the like character <laughs> actors who have. Like, well, she two actually parts. she's in um, later. She's in Anne of Avonlea, and I believe she's also in the Sarah Polly was in a um, series that came after that, also set in Avonlea. Uh, called Road to Avonlea, I believe, and oh, that same that, yeah. actress is the store and postmistress is what, in okay. that as well. Okay, um, and I just think she's great. But you know, she's one of those chatty kind of store kind of women, and and he is so embarrassed to ask for a dress with pussy, puffy sleeves. So mm-hmm. he he's like he asks for a rake, but it's the middle of the winter, so she has to go upstairs to get the rake because it's not with their normal stock. He can get himself to the store to buy her a dress, but yeah. he's too embarrassed and shy to ask for a dress. Yeah. So and it's the, the rake, it's the, the brown sugar. 20 pounds, 20 of, brown, pounds of brown, brown sugar. sugar. <laughs> Finally. He asked for the dress, and she's like, oh, you silly. <laughs> Why didn't you just say so? <laughs> so along the way, as, as we grow up with Anne, as we watch her grow up, she goes to school, and she becomes an amazing, outstanding student. Um, people in her life. Her bosom mm. friend. Yes. Diana. Diana, Diana Barry. Across the pond. Um, and her nemesis slash frenemy slash love interest. Yes. Gilbert. Gilbert Blythe. Always in competition with her yes. throughout their their life. Yes. In school. Mm-hmm. Who's going to take firsts in 
I don't even know what that means. Who's the best in the yeah, class? Yeah, the best in class, okay. I think. Or and best in the tests that they're taking. They're both um, marked off as potential um, school teachers mm-hmm. and head off to training. You know, by the end of the film, they've, they've gone away to um, school to train as teachers. I can't remember. Is it Carmody they go to? I can't remember the, the school. Carmody's the other town where is the... That's where they sell the cows and stuff like that, I think. I can't remember, but that's the town where... Gilbert, is that his name? Yeah. That's where he's going to, where they swap schools at the, at the end, very yes. end of the film. Gilbert so that, uh, swaps schools with Anne so he can, mm-hmm. she can stay home with um, with Marilla. So um, what are some of your favorite Anne misadventures along the way? Well, I mean, like, I I think, I mean, I, it, it has to be everybody's favorite, but it's the one where she accidentally gets her best friend drunk. That's what I was going to put. <laughs> <laughs> um, she has never, her... She, Marilla's going out to some women's event. And she gets to have her bosom friend party. Diana Berry over for a tea party. And and Marilla says as she's leaving, oh, you can give her some of the raspberry cordial, which is non-alcoholic, yeah. um, in the cupboard. Well, Anna's never had raspberry cordial, so she goes into the cupboard. And Marilla also has currant wine, which she, she makes at home. And I guess it was mislabeled or something like that. Yeah. Or, you know, Anne just doesn't know the difference, so she... While she's preparing the tea, she, you know, gives Diana Berry what she thinks is the raspberry cordial. And Diana proceeds to drink like four or five glasses of it, like all at once. And she gets really drunk. <laughs> she drinks the whole thing. I yeah, think. she does. <laughs> and then stumbles home drunk and... And and she's forbidden to see Anne ever again. Yes. That terrible girl who uh, got her daughter intoxicated. Terrible orphan who got terrible her daughter orphan. got her daughter drunk. An orphan's lot. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. I This is the first time I've thought about like the sort of social stratosphere. I mean, it's a small town, so it's not like there's a, a great deal of like wealth disparity, but you get the idea that Diana's family is more well off than mm-hmm. than other people because like, you know, they own the pond. It's right. called Barry's Pond. Um, throughout it, you know, you meet her rich relatives who like buy Diana music lessons and um, take her places and that sort of thing. So they... I th- feel like that they're a little well off, more well off than most of the other people in Avonlea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to have their, you know, daughter, um, you know, associate with the, with the orphan with no connections. That's, you know, you could see how there's that coming into play a little bit too, which I didn't think about it. It's like, Oh, she's an orphan who also got my daughter drunk, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, but all in all, usually it's not that big of an issue. Um, I just feel like the berries, especially her mother, seems a little kind of snooty or something like that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to me about how how does Megan Follows, the young actress who they found to play Anne, how does she compare to any of the others in the versions? Have you seen the other versions I at haven't, all? I haven't really. I mean, I just... Well, then we can talk about her on yeah, her own terms. Yeah, I just... She's she's so good. I mean, like, she looks like, you know, she shows up looking like Anne on the cover of my book, you That's know. That's what I told Sky the yeah, other day. Yeah, she looks like that Anne. You know, mm-hmm. she, you know, she has her straw hat on and her little pinafore and, um, you know, the red hair and the big eyes and... You know, I mean, I guess she's not homely. She's she's beautiful. But, you know, the other thing that's interesting to me about her is like that film was shot over 10 weeks, but they are able to make her look 
that, years older. Okay, that freaking blew my mind yeah. away because I was so I couldn't believe that I had to actually check at some point to see like, wait, was this all the original 1985 movie? Or are we mm. watching like a like the second part felt yeah. to me almost like a sequel mm-hmm. because it kind of speeds through maybe two another one or two of the books. Yeah. I mean, takes her all the way through going off to through, through yeah, teachers college. Teachers college. Mm. And then back again and taking over well, a schoolhouse. Now, remember, she when she arrived, she was 12 or 13. She 13. was a little girl in, pig t- in you know, pigtails and the bonnet and talking a mile a minute and all wide eyes and like a little girl. Mm-hmm. And then she's she's like a school teacher. Yeah, she's... And I, I was like, I even had a moment where I was like, oh, okay, she's only supposed to be 16 because... That to me was new too, yeah. like a total like historical cultural thing. That was like, oh, you went off to college and be- were a teacher by sixteen. Well, she did. So it was usually a two year program, and she did yeah. it in a year. Um, That's right. She she did the accelerated program, and then she was planning to go to college until yeah. until Matthew died, yeah. and then um, she decided to stay home but with Marilla. Where I'm going with this is that Megan follows. Absolutely, it's just as convincing as a 12-year-old as she mm. is as a 16, 17-year-old. Yeah. And it's crazy that that was shot all at one time for one film. Yeah, over three months I was so whatever. confused. And I just looked up tonight before we started um, recording. I was like, well, how old was Megan Follows? And she was about 16. Mm. I th- when So she was playing younger when she did the earlier and stuff. But I, she's a different person. I mean, yeah, like she's she carried a, she her carries, body differently. She's has a maturity to mm-hmm. her and even though she's still Anne in, at heart and in temperament um I thought she was fantastic yeah she's so good so I have been reading the first book um Anne of Green Gables with my 12 year old daughter Sky, who's the same age as her yes I just realized that <laughs> yeah. I think we started we read it very slowly we read a few pages at night before bed um, so we've been reading at least six months, eight months or something. I think we took a break to read another book mm-hmm. along the way. Um, and she's seen some of the other versions on TV. But uh, this really, the f- movie really captures the feeling of, of like everything I love about, you know, sitting there with Sky reading this book aloud to her. Yeah. It's got, I mean, it doesn't have everything. It has to like, you know. Mm. be compact and everything but it has some of the best episodes it has a lot of the dialogue i think verbatim um and i had i have a hard time sometimes reading the passages where Anne just like she just talks for two pages at a time in the book like we're just reading as she goes on and on like one of her monologues but don't you think it's beautiful when people do this and don't you and i would ever wouldn't you always want to go here and it it goes on and on and on but megan follows can play all that so naturally it's just like it's coming out of her heart, you know? Mm. Um, so, yeah, obviously I like this movie. <laughs> or the, the TV miniseries or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I was reading about this. Apparently, uh, they teach this in um, in film and television schools just as an example of a well-produced made-for-television. or Made-for-television. Oh, just a made-for-television? You know, something that has mass appeal to, yeah. you know, many people... Um, I was trying to, so I guess Kevin Sullivan like made his, I mean like pretty much his whole career has been doing adaptations of Lucy Maud Montgomery or doing stories with the characters from Lucy Maud Montgomery. Yeah, we didn't really shout out. This is yeah. by L.M. Montgomery. From mm-hmm. what year was the book 
Uh, I would bet it's the 1880s or something like that. I'm not sure, but I'm reading it and it doesn't read like old American Or it's Canadian, but yeah. Sorry, Canadian. (laughs) I'm really sorry, Canadians out there. (laughs) I didn't mean to appropriate. uh... Well, it's interesting because the... Also, the other interesting thing that I read when I was is um, when they were looking to cast Anne, they did a big, um, you know, nationwide search in Canada. And uh, apparently uh, Catherine Hepburn was like, hey, you know, you could cast my great grandniece, who is Shuler Grant, who played Diana Barry. She ended up in the movie. Yeah, she ended up <laughs> in the movie. But I just can't imagine Diana being Anne, yeah. you know. That just Apparently, seems wrong. Um, Megan Follows didn't do so well in the first audition and like had to come back and go yeah, for it again. Do and it really kind of play, you know, work for that part. But she's a natural. I can't picture anyone. Yeah. Else. I know there are other versions of it right now. <laughs> They've been like piling up. Yeah. Well, and I think like two in the last two years or something like yeah. that. Um, I This is just so well done. And I really wish we'll have to watch Anna Avonlea because that's the one I've seen more Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it was just See, because right now I'm like, how can it be any better than Anne when she's like, you know, <laughs> painting her hair green by accident and like yeah. <laughs> getting her friend drunk and falling off the roof and and all of these things that she gets or, into. Or uh, when she uh, I love when she's uh, reciting the Lady of Shalott in the sinking rowboat. Oh, that's too, right. And then and her friends all think she died. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the boat capsizes by the time they get around the bend. Well, and, you know, all it's her... Weird. It's like there's so much that plays out. It's like reminiscing mm. <laughs> for something we just saw the other day. But it's like we've been through these episodes with her. I don't know. It's 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 weird. It's just so much a part of, of my childhood and of my life. It's like just like a thread that was always there. I fell in love with Prince Edward Island. I was just thinking that I need to take my mom there. You know, that just, we just need to see it because it's absolutely gorgeous. The, mm-hmm. um you know, and a lot of, not all of it was filmed in, on Prince Edward Island. Some of it's filmed around Ontario and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. but absolutely beautiful. Makes you want to go, you know, stand on the, the windswept, yeah. grassy Along the sea. dunes mm-hmm. on the sea. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And then, you know, the, the field above Green Gables uh-huh. and yeah, it's, um, it's a pretty inspiring scene, scenery there. So I... I love the whole thing, but if I had to say anything, and I don't know that it's a flaw, but it's a, it's some, it's, it's an observation mm. that I felt like we sped through so much of this, of the college years yeah, so quickly. Like I, I was like, why are we going well, this fast now? Like all of a sudden we're just kind of pedal to the metal, like blasting through two or three years when we've spent so long on her. Well, and it's up. interesting as if you go through the books, there's whole like there's a whole I feel like they did really the first two books and Anne of yeah. Green Gables and Anne of Avonlea. And I can't remember what the next one is, but Anne of Wendy Poplars maybe is the one that's set at college. And she has like if you read the book, she has a whole relationship with the people that she stays with there yeah. and like she develops friendships there and, you know, meanwhile, she's also writing these letters back to Matthew and Marilla. And they did kind of speed through that, you know, and in order to get her back to Avonlea. And I guess... That to me was a little bit like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and this this happened. Yeah. And I actually wanted to, like, c- 
come back down and kind mm. of get grounded and slow down a little bit because it felt like we were moving suddenly too fast through some really important years yeah. in her life, but maybe it's not all told. Well, it's it's interesting because I remember Aunt, uh, Miss Stacy, her teacher, having a lot more, of, and she is more in in the next film as well, Miss Stacy. Mm-hmm. But I remember her like in the book, Miss Stacy has such an impact on Anne and shaping the way that she thinks and inspiring her to foster her creativity. And it, I mean, like they haven't gotten to this yet, but inspiring her to write, which mm-hmm. is where she is. Going. Right now she's drenched and submerged in other people's, you know, romantic mm. novels and poetry and the Lady of Shalott and yeah. all that. But she's heading towards She starts to she's, write she's her gonna own. She's going to be L.M. Montgomery basically. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Um and I I didn't realize that the first the first movie doesn't really get into that uh-huh. as much um because that's like always something that I think of. I always compare them in my mind uh, Little Women and mm-hmm. Anne of Green Gables cuz they're like the I think they came out, I think Anne of Green Gables is a little later than Little Women. But, I mean, those two books for me were, like, you know, about women who think differently. And Mm -hmm. that was another thing that's really appealing to me because I grew up also in a small town, you know, where, you know, society was limited. (laughs) And um I dreamed of getting out and doing things and learning things and... But look at this little <laughs> Anne character who comes in with her red hair. I like yeah. how you're actually looking where I'm pointing. <laughs> She's not actually over there. I'm just gesturing <laughs> dramatically. Um, look at how she comes in. This poor orphan who's just being kind of passed from here to there and how much agency as a character she yeah. has and how what a spitfire and what a like force of life she is. Yeah. And... Um, I think, I don't know, at some point you probably saw tears in my eyes because yeah. this did that for me. Yeah. It's, and I think there were, in particular, some of those scenes where Matthew and Marilla admit to each other things mm. like how much they needed, how much Something. they needed Anne. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> my face started to get a little wet. Yeah, it's, I, to me, going back to watching it, I mean, like, and I, I have a note here about the music. It just, I mean, and I, I think it's it's like pure nostalgia. I mean, it's, the score suits the story that's being told, but mm-hmm. it's, they kind of do the same, you know, theme mm-hmm. repeated throughout the thing to sort of, it kind of pulls things together. But I mean, just the sound of that music brings tears to my eyes, yeah. you know. And I mean, that's just like pure nostalgia, you know. Um, well, it's thing. more than that, too, because I haven't seen it before, and it already has the qualities of <laughs> of just wanting to inhabit this yeah. world. I didn't want it to end. Well, we had to watch news. <laughs> we had to watch it over two days. yeah, two two we watched them basically first part and then second part. Um, well, and the other thing that they're building towards is the love story, which I actually didn't realize they got so much into in the first movie. Uh-huh. I mean, like, it's clear that Gilbert's into Anne from the very beginning. You know, he does the classic boy thing that... But she gives him side eye, like, for the entire movie, basically. Yeah, she does... He he wants to get her attention, and the only way he can think to get her attention is to pull her hair and... Call her carrots. carrots. And so she... She smashed her uh, chalkboard on his head. on his yeah. head, uh, as, you know... As one does. Probably, well, it's a little, little bit of an overreaction, but, you know... I think, like, in the Me Too era is probably a good reaction, you know, 
Hey, yeah, there's some good it's stuff. It's her for, hair. Yeah, <laughs> Leave her alone. You can't touch her. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's clear from pretty early on that he's into her. And then slowly she sort of develops feelings for him. And one thing that I got on watching this one, which I didn't get when I was much younger, is that there's this whole thing about Marilla warning Anne not to get drawn into a relationship that would keep her from, you know. Oh, that was more stuff when we learn more about Marilla's backstory and her broken heart from the past and making the wrong decision all those years ago. I mean, we don't want to go... Also with Gilbert Blythe's dad. Gilbert Blythe's dad. I mean, (laughs) that's a little maybe, you know, on the head. Yeah, a little. um, (laughs) So I guess if I have to think about why they wanted to compress so much into the first film i think they really wanted to get us through they wanted to come full circle they wanted to get her into avonlea through school to the college and then to come back you know and Mm. reborn grown up as a school teacher but then to matthew's death yeah and then the next phase of life and and how she will be there for marilla yeah in those last decisions that they make about when they have that she'll stay at the school and and, um, you know, Marilla's looking at having to give up Green Gables because it's too much of a house for her to maintain. And But with Anne back and swapping schools yeah. to make it work, <laughs> she can stay with Marilla. And I think that's the point that probably Kevin Sullivan wanted to get us to, yeah. you know, to really put a bookend on the whole thing, at least if we consider the first part, yeah. the first act of this larger story. Yeah, I th- I think that's true, but yeah, it does. I feel like some of that school time suffers though mm-hmm. from speeding through so quickly. I mean, I haven't read the books. So I don't know if it's all that interesting. In the end, uh, you know, I do care about. Let's come back to Anne and Marilla and Matthew, and it's, that that family that we started with. Anne of the Island. Now that I think of yeah. it, but I think it shows it's it's a better at showing how her world it continues to expand, and then she knowing that. It could expand further. She makes the choice to come back to Avonlea, to her home, to her family, to her, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly where I was going with that, but um, you know, there there comes a time when uh-huh. when she has the opportunity to 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 see the big world again, yeah. you know. Um, but I feel like. I don't know. It's a beautiful portrait of how how a person stays the same but changes and grows. In, uh-huh. But and, there's an essential you-ness that's yeah. there from the beginning, and she still has that. She's always going to be the dreamer and the romantic and the the in love with life and you know the idealist and and that sort of thing. Well, and although I have to say, like I think it's really touching how she lets Marilla's opinions. About the, I mean, like it, it, it really is like a mother daughter relationship in that sense that, you know, she can, you know, if there's a little bit of resistance to Marilla's viewpoint, but there's always Marilla has that effect on her, you know, she, Marilla warning her not to let herself get trapped Mm -hmm. in Avonlea is what makes the difference for her to, you know, essentially she was going to go out on a date with. Gilbert and she decides not to because she's worried that she would go down that road you know she doesn't want to even chance that you know and then I think later on Marilla realizes that there was an error in stopping her from Mm -hmm. from exploring that because 
you know, and she then, doesn't have to leave a, lead yeah. a small, <laughs> limited life without any risk. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's worth it to risk your heart. And that's one of the things about this movie. And also just everything it says about families, mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't have a family. She doesn't have a home. She's being passed from one place to another. She's in a terrible orphan asylum and she ends up with the, you know, a brother and sister late in life who never got married, never had kids of their own. They've never had an opportunity to have a child. And all that they thought they wanted was a boy to work around the house. And what they got was the gift of being able to raise a delightful, wonderful child and to actually have an opportunity to have a daughter and to him play a father role and her play a mother role and got to have true parental figures, people who um, cared about her as much as, as if she were their own. Yeah. This is all the stuff that's like, yeah. Well, and really I think, makes me I think what we're missing <laughs> choke is up a that little, I guess. Anne, Anne herself is able to, no matter what situation she is, she's in, she, she, I mean, she, she loses her temper. She's too emotional. She does all these things, but she's still big. She's so herself that she draws people to her and she mm-hmm. makes friends wherever she goes. And, you know, she's always looking for that, connection with somebody Mm -hmm. you know um i think later in the books it's a really good description of of i don't i don't know it's it's hard for me to separate her personality from my own in in some senses but i just that's fine yeah you can can channel and Shirley anytime (laughs) yeah so i guess i guess the other thing since since we mentioned it uh and i know because I've 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 been to teas where we watch this film with other women uh-huh. um, recently. Actually, I forgot that we did this. Um, we went. I went out to a, a ladies' lunch where we watched this film, and you know, it's fun to talk about to a bunch of women who are around my age who who saw this film when they were my age. Or I bet a lot of people came to the story and probably to the books from this particular adaptation yeah. in the eighties. But like it's so funny because like all of them had this sort of similar experience. How this, um, like the the scene at the end where Gilbert approaches uh, Anne on on a on a black horse was like dream man kind of territory, tall da- dark man mm-hmm. on a tall dark horse. Yeah, it's the it's the stuff of Anne's tall of drink dreams. of water coming yes. to uh, fetch her <laughs> and give her a school. Yes, <laughs> it's what every girl wants. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> they want a school Do they want, want a school, school? <laughs> a small rural school in uh-huh. in in rural canada so uh, if you were to ask me a few days ago because we try not to talk about yeah. these movies very much although i've given a couple clues yeah. along the way i said i don't know i think it's just going to be a love fest if we talk about yeah. this one i i think that we're just going to gush about it which may be the case but yeah. i think we actually found some things to talk about but if you had asked me a few days ago what i thought i would have um I would have said, well, look, two days after we watched this four hour, three and a half hour movie, I um, couldn't wait to start watching it with Sky. Yeah. And so, yes, she's 12 and she's a child of the Internet, but she happily sat down and watched the first almost the first hour of it before she needed to take a break. But she made sure that I knew that she liked it a lot, but she was feeling fidgety and tired. And um, had to go off and watch YouTube or something like that. (laughs) Takes less mental energy. I couldn't wait to share it with her. And she was, you know, laughing at Anne and all of her crazy rambling. And she loved Marilla's eye rolling. And 
sternness and and I think that she digs it and that made me really happy to immediately be able to share this and actually to come into this movie with the connection to it already of having been reading the book we're not quite done with the first one but um so I didn't come in totally cold but I only started reading that book with her because you lent us your childhood your child well I guess it's not your childhood copy because you didn't have this when you were a child. But it's your copy of Anne of Green Gables. I don't remember where. It, I can't remember. We should look in that one. It may be inscribed. Yeah. It may have. I, I want to say it was a gift. Or I won it by reading a bunch of books. Which is a, something that I did all the time. It sounds like something Anne I would, would enter do. these competitions. Well, not competitions. But at school they would be like, who wins the most? Who reads the most books gets like, to get oh, a I've prize. Yeah, yeah. And I won it like three or four times. So yeah. That's. <laughs> <laughs> huh, I'm seeing more connections. All That's the why time. I read Gone with the Wind. I'd seen the movie lots and lots, but couldn't I read the picked, book. Couldn't you have picked a shorter book if you had to read the most books ever? Well, it had the most points. Is the thing? Oh, so you had to choose the biggest. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I could I have read. Well, the girl who tied with me for that one, um, Jenny, she read more short books. Yeah. So she read a bunch of short books, and I read fewer longer books. Good strategy. So, yeah, You're yeah. going for the long game uh, yeah. sort of thing. But I have to say, I think Gone with the Wind as a movie is better than Gone with the Wind as a book, but that's... <laughs> but Anne of Green Gables as a book and as a movie are amazing. Were yeah. we going to come back around at all to the other adaptations? You haven't um, really seen much of them? Uh, well, so I I have not seen much. I caught glimpses of Anne with the Knee the other day um, when Sky was watching it, and... <sighs> Um, <laughs> it's sort of the Riverdale version of, uh, yeah, no, I don't know. It's well, it's not that stylized. No, I, I, know, I just but... Riverdale is more interesting than that. But I if just... you want to talk about bastardizing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful things from the past, I also read a lot of Archie, yeah, yeah. um, Archie comics and Riverdale. I like my redheads. Um, yeah. I, to me, I read a lot of reviews of it when it first, cause I was, ex- I was like cautiously optimistic that it might be interesting. Um, you know, I don't think that everything needs to be remade, but I understand why some people think that, I guess. I have a hard time with the, I'm going to take this thing and put my agenda on it. Yeah. Like, why not just do a new thing? Why yeah. do you have to take Anne of Green Gables to do this dark, gritty thing? Why do you have to take Archie comics in order to make, like, a teenage Twin Peaks? You well, know, I don't understand. All the re- Can't you just make your own thing? Yeah. All of the things that I... I read about the new or that particular new version is that it 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 try it was bringing too much there's a lot of pathos that Anne could have she she grew up in an orphanage she's essentially enslaved to people who had too many children if you want to get technical about it but like nobody that's not the focus and we actually talked about this um, I think actually the women's luncheon that I went to was in reaction to Anna with an E coming out. So we actually, oh. we actually We're talked like, let's to, watch the let's watch the real yeah. one, you yeah. know, um, before but, they ruin our childhood. Yeah. It's a, well, like the Ghostbusters. <laughs> like the Ghostbusters. Um, but you're not going to be you know, an internet troll Anne, over this. And no. like, Anne is a person. She just, she's like the, exemplifier of the power of positive thinking she doesn't think about the negative she deals with it because she has to but she lives she her imagination her her creativity allows her to 
sort of glance over the terrible stuff that mm-hmm. happens in her life and she creates and there are people in that world who in this world who can grow up in such terrible situations and through the power of their own minds not everyone is that is mm-hmm. equipped with that no but she is and that's the magic of Anne. But she's a um, she's a gratitude diary kind of yes, girl. Yeah. She's a looks around and sees all the positive and is thankful for all the things that the new experiences that she gets to have, mm-hmm. all the people she meets, everything is new and wonderful. Yeah. She's, she's just a force of nature and, and, and she lets that propel her in the world, you know, and, and she looks for the light and for the beauty and, and for that. And that's what makes Anne special. So if you focus too much on the gritty terribleness of, of, you know, of the Canadian foster care system at the turn of the century. I, you know, I just don't know. It that's, doesn't need that. That's not Anne's story. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it needs to be part of Anne's story. <laughs> Go watch Jude the Obscure or I know, something, something I know. terrible <laughs> and, and gloomy. If, I mean, there are movies for that, and yeah. there are good movies for yeah. that, but I don't think Anne is that, you know. Right. There are great movies that explore all sorts of things. And of the uh, Durbervilles. Yeah, whatever. yeah. All sorts of experiences of the human condition. But I, I just think that this should be one of those light, magical, beautiful things, you know. Well, and if you, um, if you adapt it faithfully, you end up with something gorgeous and beautiful and wonderful and positive. Mm-hmm. So... Um, well, and I want to say, like, if you read the books, it's not like that she ignores the bad things that happen in life. There, especially in Anne's House of Dreams, there's a very beautiful and moving depiction of a woman who's lost her child, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that that is a real thing that happened at the, you know, at the turn of the century all the time, you know, and and they did such a beautiful job of portraying, but then Anne still finds her, her hope and her light in that as well. You know, it's just, it's not like she ignores the realities. It's just that her, her imagination and creativity propel her, you know, you know, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So you like this a little bit. I did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, do you have any final thoughts you want to get in there about Anne or Anne of Green Gables or, um, anything that's come up this week? We've uh, covered a lot. Yeah. Um, I think I got it all. Megan Follows was in Rain, um, which is a weird CW show that's kind of yeah, um, Mary Queen of Scots. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. With I, like, I was picturing Rain like Rain. Raindrops. Like in, in, in France. Yeah. Um, and, and Megan Follows plays the off, uh, the like evil stepmother. Oh, I don't step- want to see her play an evil Not stepmother, ma- evil mother-in-law, yeah. I'm sorry. Mother-in-law. Okay. And, um, she's great, um, in that, um, that show is kind of weird, but it, he, she was really good in it, so. All right. <laughs> so I think that's, uh, all we have time for this time. Yeah. Another record, uh, episode. We're oh, in a new sorry. era of, No. No, it's all good. <laughs> um, if you like the show, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app and look us up on Facebook and Instagram now if you want to kind of follow uh, updates and announcements for shows along the way. And if you ever want to write us a piece of feedback email to, uh, for us to consider, um, write us at shutupwatchthis at gmail.com. And um, we'd love to hear what you have to say.